Welcome to Conversations with Sarah. I'm Sarah Redden, creator of the SRTT Self-Care Club. Thank you for joining us today. You can find me on most social media platforms as SRTT Self-Care. But if you connect on Facebook, you can join me in my Facebook group for live recordings. Today, I am joined by Wendy, and uh, we're going to have a bit of a chat about all things sort of spiritual counselling type of thing, I think. So hi, Wendy. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Sarah, and thank you very much for inviting me on. And hello to everybody watching live or on replay. Um, so we we know each other through Facebook and we've had some brilliant chats already. Um, but for people who don't know you, would you like to introduce yourself? <laughs> um, so hi, everybody. I'm Wendy. Professionally, I work as a counsellor and have been qualified for... 20 odd years. I'm also an EMDR therapist, which is a fantastic therapy for trauma, where I find it particularly helpful with trauma. But in addition to that, I'm a trainee medium, which means that I've been in a mediumship circle for three years. I don't necessarily think that I'm very good at it, but I enjoy it. But people that know me well will describe me as very intuitive and um, probably more psychic. Uh, and that's what really interested me, because as a qualified counsellor, I, I thought it was really fascinating sort of how you bridge the gap between the two worlds, uh, because counselling is seen very much in one way, stereotypically, and spiritual work is seen in another way, stereotypically. And I personally am really interested in how we as practitioners merge and work with these different things or work separately with these different things and how it is for us working ethically and how it is for clients. And that's what made me reach out and because you have such a beautiful energy as well I know you're going to be bring some wonderful things to us with us today Um, but also you talk about grief and you talk about bereavement and you share some of your your own journey and your own story so there's there's lots that we're going to be kind of touching and the reason I'm not framed today's conversation is because we're just going to (laughs) see where it goes the title will come at the end yeah Absolutely. I mean, you're right. Now, um, when I work with clients, I tend to attract clients that um, come to me for grief, but particularly what they consider traumatic grief. So this may be where somebody has died suddenly, this may be through suicide, this may be a prolonged and painful death, it may be a child. Um, And I kind of, when I'm working with that person, they don't know this about me. I don't say to them that I'm a trainee medium or anything like that, but I always invite in their loved one who they are grieving for because my belief is that we transition, Mm. that we just kind of move on. Um, I don't believe that death is kind of final in that way so I invite their loved ones to come through if they wish to they don't always um to help to help me to help the my client their loved one and I find that um the clients that I work with tend to open up about um 
signs that they get yeah. they open up about um, how they talk to their loved one all the time and if I feel that they're receptive to it and they're in a an emotional place that's okay to do it we'll remove the traumaticness of the grief that means that um they're not constantly overwhelmed with haunting images and memories so the grief reaction is a little bit more settled and if mm. they're receptive to it I'll help them to be able to sense when their loved one is around them I don't do it all the time because it's not right mm. but sometimes it is and I just think it's a beautiful thing and I agree that's what I'm sat with uh, and what I'm hearing is that with clients that are open to that way of working it's something you can bring into the space that traditionally in counseling we wouldn't do yeah that's a no-no really yeah yeah um but I think like from my experience of, of of how I do therapy being able to bring in these other tools when they're in the best interest of the client makes such a difference yeah absolutely absolutely because I think with grief um what I found anyway is that there can be a lot of uh, negative messaging out there particularly on social media um you know where people consume a lot of information is that it's very focused on the pain it's very focused on the very difficult sides to grief but nobody's really talking about what can come out of grief further mm -hmm. on down the line and there are some um beautiful things that can come from an experience of grief but i think you've got to consent i think you've got to um get to a point where you make a decision within yourself so would would that be okay if I just very briefly just shared my story? Absolutely. That was my next question. <laughs> yeah, just absolutely. Share whatever you're comfortable sharing with, um, however you wish to share it. Yeah. And I think I just need to say as well that, as I mentioned to you, Sarah, my daughter is with me. Um, I, I sensed that she was going to be here with me this morning. I don't... I can't kind of conjure her up. I can't say to Alex, can you be with me? Mm. It's a, it's really about whether she, you know, it's kind of right for her to be here. So yeah. I know that she's here. So if, when I share my story, if it seems as though I'm being a little bit upbeat or a little bit positive, um, it's really because my daughter's energy is very bubbly She's very sarcastic. She's very pushy. She's very funny. And like I said, I've got her energy around me. So she's kind of helping me as well um, today. So the story was my daughter, I only have one child. Her name was Alex. And she unexpectedly passed away when she was 24. Now, when I say unexpectedly passed away, she had always been a very poorly child. She had some serious medical conditions, um, but she was not one to let her illnesses get her down. So she more than packed in tons of stuff into her 24 years. Um, 
but when she passed away, I was struck by the, how beautiful it was. And I was struck by how grateful I was about how she'd passed away. So I know that may be quite triggering for people. That may be um, something people don't usually hear. And that's why mm. I'm going to share it is because she had just been to holiday in Croatia with her boyfriend and boyfriend's family. And she'd come back on the Thursday night. By the Monday, she was um, in hospital and she had to be put in an induced coma, which she didn't uh, come out of. Mm. So in that short space of time, her illness clearly unravels very quickly. What I was very grateful about was the fact that she had come back from Croatia fine yeah. and that she'd fell ill so that I could be with her. Because quite frankly, if anything had happened to her when she was in Croatia, I'm not really sure how I would have coped with that, but I was able to be with her. So when she was um, in her hospital bed and she just kind of saying to me that her boyfriend put headphones on her to listen to Katy Perry, she's kind of just saying to me, um, she wants to give a, a bit of a heads up to Katy Perry because she's still a super fan of Katy Perry. So she was aware in the coma that she could hear Katy Perry. But we as a family had to make a decision. And I was very, very aware in that moment that I needed to make the decision that was best for Alex and it could mm. not involve my emotions. And I think that as a counsellor, that helped me. It helped me to be able to put my feelings to one side and make sure that we was doing what was best for her, but that I was also understanding correctly that she was saying to me, it is my time to go. And this is what I want to happen. So because I needed to make sure this was 100% correct, what I was picking up, I had um, a friend who was very, very gifted medium and I actually contacted her and said, would you mind just checking in with Alex and making sure that what I'm picking up is correct? And she confirmed to me that yes, that was correct, that Alex was, it was her decision and she was now ready to go on to her next journey. So she very peacefully and beautifully, um, you know, passed away. But mm. since then, um, you know, she has been around me a great deal. And I think one of the things that I kind of want people to, to understand really is that when I was in the deep depths of my grieving particularly the first year or two um it, it was I, I didn't really realize I was feeling my daughter around because it just felt like grief but as my grief softened a little bit I became aware of kind of my daughter's presence and for anybody out there you, you grief does need to be a little bit need to be a little bit further on in your grieving journey yeah that's one of the things that can happen is that as you move through your grieving journey that you are more able to um 
kind of sense or feel when your loved one has come around you and they don't come around all the time Alex doesn't come around that often um now because we're going back a few years ago she doesn't come around so often but when she does come around I know that it's her because I can feel her energy that is her it's not my energy yeah so how does that feel for you how is that different well to start with um it took a little bit of uh, time to notice the difference because originally I would just be out walking on my own and I'd be hit by an overwhelmingness of emotion and I would think to myself oh crikey I've been triggered but actually it wasn't it was that Alex had come close in that moment so once I understood that I don't now get so overwhelmed I can just feel something um kind of I don't necessarily feel her as in where she's standing, but I definitely just get an influence of her personality. So if I start to become more bubbly and more excited, a little bit manic, if I become a little bit more exaggerated. So it goes beyond my normal personality. My mm. normal personality is I'm quite calm and I'm You're quiet. very calm. Like my yeah. experience of you, yeah. um, like through our connections on yeah. Facebook is you're you're very calm you're very soothing mm. um still waters is the image that yeah. I have that that serenity yeah. kind of space of just yeah a hug of calmness <laughs> my daughter's completely the opposite wow. you know she, she's nothing other than you know she's just really full-on I mean she was you know was a feeling of she couldn't wait for today you know, the idea of um, helping me um, with this today. That's beautiful. And do you do you hear her or is it all sense or I is it like it. a visual you hear? Well, I can, um, you know, hear a voice, but it's in, it's in my mind. I don't hear it through my ears. Not many people do, but it yeah. is through my mind, yeah. But I think it's about just trusting um, what you're getting because people think you can be you know not all there don't they yeah and I think and I don't know about you but when we've had formal training in mental health <laughs> there is that kind of part of oh like is this psychosis yeah. not that as counsellors we diagnose these things but we have awareness as we go through our training we learn stuff and yeah I mean I know and I don't know what I'm going to share but as I go because <laughs> I never know what I'm going to share like as I'm going into a more spiritual deepening of my own spiritual exploration I'm sharing things like that and and even when I started to talk about crystals and energy healing there was always a part of me that judged me as sounding just a bit nuts like (laughs) (laughs) this uh, sounds a little bit kind of like um losing grasp of reality but the the more I'm okay with it the deeper I'm getting into my own sense of emotion, my own feeling around things. And, and, and often when I'm talking, like in my groups or on the podcast, sometimes I don't have the words for things. They are feelings. Yeah. They are absolute senses of stuff. And as you're, you're saying, like the more you connect with it, the more you connect with it. Yeah, it is, it is a feeling. It is definitely um, more... Uh, feeling based but if you think about when 
people are struggling with their grief and they're going through you know the really painful stuff it you can't feel because mm. all you feel is pain yeah don't you so you know I think it's a bit of a tricky balance I'm not here to of course tell anybody how to grieve but I do know that there are some wonderful things beyond um kind of initial painful yeah so I have a question for me and I'm not quite sure, sure where it's going so let's see so like I know one of the things that when we talked about today it was like about actually being able to bring some of the fun in and when you say grief you don't expect fun no. and I guess there's part of me that through my own process of grief there comes a point where it it isn't all encompassing mm. and maybe you feel guilty about like enjoying life and moving forward in your own happiness and stuff like that um and I guess the question because I have my thoughts about it so the question is what would you say to people who are at that stage where they're they're ready they're ready to step out of the heaviness that comes with with bereavement with grief and allow themselves that like they want to allow themselves that space for the fun for the the good stuff but are worried about what other people because there is a lot I think when you're going through the grieving process people have ideas about how you're supposed to grieve Absolutely. and it, you know if you're, if you're not doing it right mm. by somebody else's expectation mm. um it's hard to feel supported yeah. as you're going through stuff I hope what I'm trying to say is making yeah. sense because I know that I'm not actually saying a question I'm saying lots of statements um but what I'm wondering is what what from your perspective would you say to somebody at that stage to help them with that transition? That's the question. I think it's just having a little bit of an understanding of what life may be like for them beyond that transition. So, for example, once um, the heaviness of the grief isn't there, your mind is more has more access to the positive memories of you with your loved one. And if you think about a traumatized brain, when you're very overwhelmed with your grief, it will block a lot of those memories out. You, you, but you still have memories, positive mm. memories, but your brain's not able to give you access to all of your positive memories. So that's one thing. I think once you go beyond that transition, you get more access to wonderful um, kind of memories. But the other thing is really about living your life almost not through the person that's died because that still creates a permanent kind of attachment to the grief but kind of making the most of life and at the end of the day we are all here to live we are not here on this um journey to suffer throughout all of our life that is not what it's about yeah we are here to transition ourselves we are here to evolve we are here to find meaning find purpose find joy find fun in life as well and that's what our loved ones want for us as well so our loved ones when they transition my understanding is is that they continue to evolve 
So um, Alex, um, she's told me some things that she's done. Um, she's a busy bee, um, but she's also spiritually continues to evolve. That's why she's not around a great deal. And I know that, you know, when a person transitions over, that if the person here is chronically in the depths of grief for years and years and years, it affects the person in the spirit world. Not okay. in a, you know, it's just it's just an upsetting thing, you know. In, in like a vibrational kind of Yeah, sense. our loved ones don't want to see us upset, no. do they, all the time? They understand that we're upset. They're upset when they first transition over as well. They have to go through their own grieving process as well, but they've got a slightly different perspective um, because they also can see our potential. They can see what our potential is if we can move through our own grief and that's mm. what they want for us it's just it's only love mm. and, and and I'm sort of sort of where I'm at with it on my journey is that similar kind of message in that I feel like that's the greatest thing that we can do because when someone passes away we've got all this love that we don't know what to do with like it's all just there and yeah. it was supposed to go somewhere and it hasn't yeah. So put that out into the world, put that out into the universe, live your life in a way that is joyful, where you can, because um, yeah. to me, that honours the memory of the person that's passed. Like, so you're, that that love gets to go out into the universe and, and be shared. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just have to be careful. One of the things that I've kind of had to um, become, wrestle with a little bit is because um you know, I don't have any of the children. I'm not going to have any of the children. Actually, when my daughter died, I went straight into the menopause. So there was definitely yeah. um, no possibility. A lot of change. Um, but, you know, I had to find purpose. I had to find a, a meaning. I had to find something to be able to live life and to enjoy it. And I think sometimes if you're not careful, we can kind of become so busy. Yeah. Distract ourselves, which is the pattern I keep falling into, which is why I've stepped back a little bit from social media because I fell back into the pattern of busyness. But actually just need to step back and just review your life a little mm. bit. Make sure that you are living it. You're not working too hard. You're not working every hour that there is, that you are living as well because that yeah and that's the thing isn't it living living the life living yeah, living yeah. your life the way you want to live it with purpose because yeah. I, I I don't talk to people that have passed on I, I haven't had people that I love that have passed give me messages or maybe I have and I just don't know that it but I I, I genuinely believe that they that's what they want to see they want to see yeah. you if they're there watching like no one wants to feel that they're the, the reason that somebody else stops yeah. living their life and yeah. just lives under the cloud of the heaviness of the grief. They, yeah. they, I imagine that they want to see you having fun, succeeding, doing yeah. the things that bring you joy, because that's what they would have wanted in, in life, surely. Absolutely. And it, it is about, isn't it, that you do have to grieve. Um, like they have to grieve and yeah when it happened um with Alex um 
one of the things that I became very aware of was that people around me, I just felt that they thought, oh, don't really know how to help Wendy with this one. Yeah. And is she going to go off the rails? Yeah. And, um, and I was aware of that, but I was also aware that, quite frankly, I could do whatever I wanted because people were kind of like, oh, you know, should she be doing this? Should she not? So actually what happened is that when I was looking at meaning and purpose for me to, to try and um, help other people, I guess, was where I started from. I realised that I had a very busy counselling practice where I would, uh, I had a beautiful office um, I thought to myself, well, I need more time. If I'm going to set up a charity or, or something, which was my thinking at the time, I mm. need time to do that. So how can I do it? So I thought, okay, well, if I stop working face-to-face, and this is uh, five years ago now. So if I stop working face-to-face and work solely online, I can save myself 20 hours a month. Mm. and I don't pay rent on an office so I don't need to work so many hours so I and I was so dead set on this idea I had no fear it never entered my mind this is a bit crazy Wendy you know you, you don't do this sort of thing so I spoke to my supervisor and I gave all my clients three months notice about this transition no worries whatsoever but what happened overnight all my clients finished oh wow (laughs) so all my clients just ended so I must have thought to myself that um you know with my ego must have thought oh you know a few will just continue working but they didn't they all just um said okay you know thanks very much thanks a lot yeah (laughs) see you later so all of a sudden I had no uh, it was become clear I had no clients yeah I thought oh now what shall I do again I had no worry it's one of the beautifulness sometimes of grief is that you just don't care like you used to no because the worst imaginable has happened so what what else like really what else can the world throw at me like I've I've survived this so actually I'm pretty sure I can get through anything bring it on world that's amazing isn't it have that so um I thought right okay so I've got no clients I've got no practice the obvious thing to me was okay I'll sell my house because now I've got no practice I can take a year off I like the way you say the obvious thing of course Wendy that's the most obvious thing sell your house uproot and just that was it but that is what I thought I thought wow all my practice has come to an end and I saw it in a positive way but you wanted that space so you got that space so all of a sudden I've got this thing where crikey I could actually take some real time out so Mm. I sold my house I didn't have much but I had enough for like a year and um, I don't live with my partner although we've been together a very long time but he lives up north and I live in the Midlands so he's always been very supportive of me he's used to me being a bit weird and wacky and I said um, to my partner 
I'm going to go off to India um, because I need some time on my own. Mm. I need time to do some grieving. And this isn't everybody's way of doing it. But for me, I didn't want counselling. I didn't want any type of therapy. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't want any of that. I just knew in my heart that I needed to be on my own and I needed to face my feelings without distraction. And India was a place that I'd fell in love with. I've never done anything like that in my life, by the way. I'm no adventurous person or adrenaline junkie. I just needed time away. And in India, where I was, the internet was shocking. So I couldn't kind of... (laughs) distracted with Netflix because that's what I would have done at home I would have you know done loads of housework I would have watched loads of films I would have found things to keep me busy like you said using that busyness and that's what so many people do to distract from feeling any kind of emotion that they don't want to feel or dealing with any kind of part of life that they don't want to be dealing with is just get immersed in that busyness because if you if you're busy then you can't possibly be dealing with things and for some people that's what you need to do to be safe absolutely but like you said there comes a point doesn't there there comes a point where if you want to move through it you've got to be with it yeah and do you um would you agree Sarah maybe um as therapists maybe we have more resilience we certainly have the understanding about that don't we we're less fearful of our emotions they might not feel nice (laughs) yeah know that really at some point we need to face them whereas maybe somebody else may not know how to do that yeah I think it's that it's that understanding isn't it in the process of because like for me like my big bereavement happened before I was qualified before I did my training it's actually part of my story into becoming a therapist um but with like the big courses you have to you have to do personal therapy you have to spend so much time reflecting on your own stuff that it becomes habitual like it is now um I'm such a different person like and I think you know part of my resilience comes from the life experiences that I've had um but also in there is like you say as, as a therapist you kind of just gain this or anyone I think that really really is into this sort of stuff you gain a level of understanding about yourself and that does not mean that you always do things perfectly correctly from your adult state at yeah. all. I yeah. definitely don't always do things correctly, you know, in that, you know, good space of adultness. But I notice now when I'm not and I'm able to centre and bring myself back and take accountability and sit with sit with how it is to be me in that moment and what it is that's going on and what, what I'm needing and what's uh you know I'm thinking of different interactions like when we're in in relationship with other people it it is that yeah that life experience that self-reflection that you have and develop more of going through the training to be a therapist because there's Mm. so much um and I I would say not every therapist because I know other therapists that I've met along my way that don't necessarily have those skills and capabilities but it is I think part of the learning that 
if you really embody it, you kind of have no choice but to sit with yourself because you're like, oh, I'm doing the thing. Or like you say, there's a trigger there. I'm yeah. falling into some unhealthy patterns. I need to be with myself and work out what, what's going on here. Yeah, and it certainly, certainly was times in India that were very, very, very tough. But do you know what nobody said to me? Should you really be doing that? And I knew that nobody would say to me, Wendy, that's crazy, because mm. nobody knew how to help me. And I knew that. So I also knew that I, I kind of had got permission within myself that it was OK to do this. Maybe, you know, to somebody else, that was quite a crazy thing to do, to sell your house. And yeah. then, you know, but it was India. It's right for you. It was right for me. But then that wasn't the end of the story. So bear in mind that I've got this beautiful ending with my daughter. I then come to this realisation I need purpose and meaning. So then, you know, I'm going to become working online and that didn't work and practice folded. End up selling my house so I can take a year off work. And I'm that this is 100% the truth. I'm not embellishing this in any way. But my dad, bless him, I would probably see him once a year. My dad's very, uh, he's like a recluse. So my relationship with my dad is not a typical relationship daughter um, kind of situation. So I'd see him once a year, maybe for 20 minutes. Um, I had no idea about my life, uh, my dad's life, really. My dad really showed no interest in my life. He'd never been around to my home or anything, even though he lived local. And one day he phoned me out of the blue, never phoned me. You know, I'd been living away from home, you know, 20 odd years and he'd never phoned me. He phoned me and he said, Wendy, I've been thinking about this for two to three years I'm going to gift you my cottage wow so because I want you to be mortgage free and I want you just to be in a position where you can just work part-time if you want to mm. so I now live in this beautiful cottage um that's dated back to about 1800 and my dad's kind of renovated it and so on and I had no idea no idea that was coming at all so I followed my heart all the way through sold the house went off to India to do some um healing and then this phone call came out of the blue how amazing is that uh, and it just shows, doesn't it, when you just kind of, I want to say follow intuition, but I don't even know if that's entirely what I mean. When you just trust, yeah. when you just trust that it's going to work out and you just yeah. go with what your soul is calling you to do. At that moment, yeah, and just have that courage just to take those steps because I would never have made those changes 
in normal life, never had I been panic stricken about money and how will I pay my bills and what happens if I sell my house, I won't be able to get another one. But I didn't have any of that. Yeah. So it allowed me to just go with what I really felt I needed to do. And I just followed it. And it's so different, isn't it? Because that's that's kind of where I'm at with my journey now and, and the way the business is and the things that I'm doing. It's I'm just going with it. I'm just I have the moments of, in, of what I call inspirations. And then I'm like, OK, so this is what's happening next. And I'm just going with it. And that doesn't mean that everything in life is always perfect. There is stuff going on. Stuff happens. Things yeah. don't work out the way in which like I hope they would or, you know, life occurs yeah but still I have this calm sense that it's it's all it's all okay and it's all going how it needs to be um and that's so different for me me 15 years ago me 15 years ago would worry about every single scenario so that I was prepared (laughs) so that I was prepared because yeah if I you know I knew I knew that I could deal with life but if something bad was happening my coping strategy was to plan eventualities so that if it happened then it would be okay because in my mind that kept me calm yes what I know now is what it actually did is just I just was always stressed it was a way of managing it was a way of managing the stress and it's such a different energy when you just like well we had the conversation before and ah what will be will be whatever happens happens and it is and it's like it's so calm and it's and it's so like peaceful and loving and so different and it like do you I know because I know you do meditation as well do you think meditation has helped you with that well when I was in India I was meditating uh sometimes three four times a day so I really got into my meditation there and I did a lot of walk and talk so, you know, talking to myself, I mean, did a lot of walking. So I think both of those helped yeah. as well as time out. But yeah, just slowing down, giving yourself time and space without any distractions. It's the only way you can really tune in. Yeah. The only way you, you hear your intuition is when things are quiet because it's that's it isn't it being with yourself and being able to be with life as it is in that moment um just yeah being in that moment Uh, and I've noticed the more I've got like this the less sense of time I have in the (laughs) in the wider world um and that brings me to like I think we're way over time um but I I'm kind of happy if there's more you want to share that to to go with whatever because I, I want you to have said everything that you want to say about your story and share everything that you you want to share. So is there anything more you'd like to share? I think the only thing that I, I, I kind of wanted to share, may, yeah, just one more thing is that, again, I don't think this is really known a great deal. But for anybody out there, and I apologise now because I'm just going to say there's a bit of a trigger. Anybody out there that has experienced the death of a child or have experienced where their child has drawn breath or hasn't drawn breath or has been here for a few hours or a few days, they actually become part of your, um, they are around you. 
they are classed as being another one of your higher selves so they are around you um and again i just kind of want people to know that it's just a beautiful beautiful thing and they're okay they're absolutely okay and they're safe and they're fine and they're healthy they have no pain it's just a beautiful thing Thank you, Wendy. Thank you so much for sharing that. An absolute pleasure. And thank you for coming on. I mean, I could talk to you all day uh, and I'm sure you'll come back and talk with me another time because there's, I feel like there's so many things we could have conversations about. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you to those that have listened. I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back next Wednesday with a new guest. Until then, stay curious and be kind to yourself.